Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. This is Yusuf Arif and you are listening to AccidentalMuslims.com. Assalamu alaikum Yusuf. Thank you for joining us. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Only a pleasure. In Zaid. Alhamdulillah Yusuf. Uh, our association goes back almost 10 years now and I met you. Alhamdulillah. Uh, I know you used to radio broadcasting. Alhamdulillah. So that should bring me fun memories uh, when we sat behind the mic at the various radio stations. Thank you for accepting our invite Yusuf to Ramadan with Love series on AccidentalMuslims.com. And uh, I'm sure ourselves and our listeners will take benefit from your insights. Shukran. Inshallah. Inshallah. Jazakum khairan for the invite. <laughs> Maybe let's start by you telling us a bit about yourself. Uh, as I mentioned before, Yusuf Arif, uh, probably notable achievements uh, would be um, married, alhamdulillah, to a lovely wife. And uh, uh, I've got two lovely 10-month-old uh, twins, uh, Muhammad Yahya and Maryam. And uh, they probably occupy most of my time right now. Um, Alhamdulillah, I've, I've achieved a few things in my life. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just trying to serve society at the moment. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so in terms of your professional background, right? is it, is it medicine? Okay, <laughs> that's an so interesting I- question. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it was medicine. It was medicine. Alhamdulillah, I studied medicine uh, and I finished off in 2005. I worked in the emergency medicine uh, profession, both in public sector and in private sector. Um, mostly working for, for big companies like Mediclinic, um, working in the emergency unit. Uh, it's, it's taxing. It's taxing. And uh, I did night shifts and day shifts uh, for about 10 years. Uh, but together with that, after finishing my community service, I always had this desire to, to study Deen. I wanted to know more about Deen. I wanted to find out more about Allah, who my creator was, and just understand my place in, in society and reality. And uh, I, stumbled, I stumbled upon um, uh, Darunaim. So obviously very familiar, very popular. Uh, I spent, uh, the intention was just to spend one year there, just do a bit of Quran translation, bug bit, and uh, I did the second year as well. And then I went to India and Pakistan on the invite of some of my teachers. I spent two months in, in India and Pakistan uh, on Tablih Chamat. Uh, I had a very, I was averse to Tablih Chamat prior to that. And then I, I kind of just went with them. And when I came back, uh, I wanted to study, study Dean actually. Um, and I wanted to study in Azadville because I met some uh, ulama that had graduated over there and I was really impressed by their akhlaq, their character, um, the way they commanded the language, the, the knowledge of deen. And I decided that's where I'm going. When I came back, the wife, even though she's from Johannesburg, she decided, no, she doesn't want to go back to Jobu. She likes it here in Cape Town. I happened to meet Mona Mu'ad Ali. Um, and he guided me towards the Madrasa in Strand. And I spent four years over there, alhamdulillah. And then during that time, while I was studying uh, Dean, I worked in emergency units basically to prepare on the table. And my wife was in, uh, continued specializing in obstetrics and gynecology at the time. So we were both studying. It was, it was very, very convenient, alhamdulillah. And then after that, we, I qualified. And the year after that, I did a honors in public administration through the School of Public Leadership at Stellenbosch University. So that's basically the, the, the study history. Let's talk about Ramadan. What's your favorite part of Ramadan? 
Very interesting. Well, for me personally, it's it's just a time to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think through the year, you kind of lose your footing, you get distracted. There's a lot of ghafla, neglect. Whereas during Ramadan, it's a time to focus. Um, It says if Allah removes all of the baggage, all of the cloudiness, and suddenly Ramadan opens up and there's the sunshine. It's lovely, it's invigorating. Um, and you so much just want to benefit from that time. You can actually feel the blessings. And for me, that's probably the most important and salient feature of Ramadan. Well, obviously, growing up um, exposed to the Cape Town traditions of Ramadan, you went to study and obviously once you've learned a bit, you've got a different aspect or perspective of, of Ramadan as well. Um, any inspiring stories that has come out through your uh, well, throughout your life, basically, with regards to Ramadan, giving you a wide net here. Anything that happened in Ramadan or you see in Ramadan that inspires you? Well, for me specifically, it would probably be when I started doing Atikaf. So I learned more. But this was before I actually studied, and somebody told me about the ten days of Atikaf, secluding yourself in the in the mosque or in the masjid, um, and focusing on ibadah. I found during these times, and Alhamdulillah, I've been doing quite consistent now for a few day, for a few years, and uh, I found that during this time, it's it's uh, open openings happen. You actually you actually get a sense that you know you're communicating with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala more so than at any time. You actually feel this connection. You feel that um, you feel that you know there, there, there's this greater being that's watching over you that uh, you're trying to connect to. And that is it is actually involved in all of your circumstances. For me, etikaf is the uh, piece de resistance to say it is the cherry on top for for Ramadan. Take us to a typical maybe night or day on etikaf. Right, excellent. So, so etikaf is basically a uh, a sunnah of Rasulullah. It is something that uh, the, our Prophet uh, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam had uh, encouraged, um, and it is seclusion in the mosque for a period of 10 days, the last 10 days of, of Ramadan. And in that 10 days, there isn't much to do, obviously, because you're in the mosque with a whole lot of uh, guys, a whole lot of brothers, and uh, there are no distractions. There are no... So, so, so things like internet, things like cell phones, uh, just just purely the the, 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 uh, the ghafla, the... The things that would distract you outside are no longer there. So now it's time for you to focus. And during that time, basically, it starts as early as 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. You start and you start your prayers, uh, which we call tahajjud prayers. Often uh, somebody would either uh, recite the English of the Quran to you and then you'd, you'd stand up and recite those prayers in your, with understanding in, 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 in your salah, in your prayer. Um, and then you'd, 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 you'd continue with your Fajr Salah, and then after Salah there would be a talk. Um, you'd then rest until, until Dhor Salah, until the afternoon. And then after Dhor Salah, you'd, you'd then either listen to a talk, or you would be engaged in your own Afkar. Similarly, after Asr, you take a, a nap again. Oh, sorry, after Dhor, you take a bit of a nap. After Asr, you, you awake until the next morning. So just constant Ibadah, constant prayer, constant connection, constantly talking to Allah, and then also talking to the rest of the brothers others that are there as well, hearing their stories, because people come from very different points in their life. So they come into Etikaf, some of the brothers, it's the first time. So now they want to know, okay, you know, what is this about? How do we do it? And you go through it, and through the experience, you actually start learning more as well. Etikaf, sorry, it's an integral part of Ramadan, or it's 
basically solely linked to Ramadan. It is. So it is. When you come out of the masjid after nine, ten days, last uh, part of Ramadan, what take homes do you do? Do you take to your family or to for yourself? For me, it's time to it's time to continue what I had gained in the itikaf. So if, and usually it is. The gain was a closer spiritual connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a, a daily routine on what I would like to at, at minimum do every day in my life. That's what I tried to take home and implement in my household. So if I had started maybe making tajud or I'd been making a few hours in the evening, what I tried to do is at least try to wake up for two rakats. If I was in, ta- in, in etikaf trying to maybe do two or three ajas of recitation of Quran during etikaf, I tried to at least do maybe a page, two pages or even a juice every day if I do get home. And if I was doing um, three, four hours of adhkar during etikaf, at least try to do a few minutes or a few hours of adhkar every every day just so that that, that, that connection is not lost because you build up this momentum in the etikaf in the 10 days and then Ramadan ends. Now shaitan is loose. Now you left your own devices, your own hawas, your, your own desires. And just to maintain that, that is the real challenge. So at minimum, just to try to do, set yourself a little bit of a target and then to continue that. That's for me the most important. Yeah, so what advice do you have for the youth now they're in Ramadan? Do they focus on reading the entire Quran quickly as possible? Or do they focus on reading a bit and understanding what they're reading? How do you find that? Must they have that balance? Uh, there definitely is a balance. It all depends on the youth himself. If he is a Hafidh quran then obviously either to complete the Qur'an or to complete it multiple times, but also with a bit of what we call tadabbur. So thinking about the verse, um, looking at the English and trying to take a verse and just think about it. What is Allah trying to tell me over here? What are the injunctions that I'm supposed to be obeying over here? Does this verse speak to me? So, so if that is the case with a Hafiz Quran, then yes, I would definitely recommend that he completes it even maybe more than one time. With somebody that's uh, venturing into the, into the Quran for the first time or is not really afraid with recit- recitation of Quran, pick a few verses. Mm-hmm. Or most importantly, if you're not really afraid with reciting the Quran, then try to spend time in the company of somebody that will be able to remember, remind you of Allah. So if it means going to Taraweeh at night, listening to talk at night at minimum, that is what should be done. So do whatever is up to your capability. If you are able to do independent reading and research, do it and do so to the best of your ability. If you're not able to, spend company into, in, in, uh, with people that are able to remind you and teach you about this deal. Yusuf, you mentioned a key word here, Tadabur. Mm. To assign to you juice too. Right, right, right. What have you pondered on for us? SubhanAllah, there, there, there are a few verses here that really stood out. Um, I don't know how... how, how how much time we have, but one of the verses is, uh, I think, verse number 152. Um, so, that's verse 52 in Surah Baqarah, uh, the, second, the second surah of the Quran. So, so, the translation of that is, so remember me and I will remember you. And be grateful to me and do not, do not belie me or do not deny me. Uh, there's different uh, so so do not disbelieve in me so there's different understandings to that word kafara uh, and for, for for me Allah's basically telling me over there remember me he's impelling you he's compelling you to remember me but he's not only he's telling you what the rewards of that is so if you're going to your, to your mother and you're remembering your mother and you tell mommy I remembered you how much love isn't that mother going to have and she says you know what my son 
I remembered you today. How happy isn't that child going to be? That, wow, mommy remembered me today. Why? Because mommy is somebody that loves, loves me, respects me, takes care of me. So how much greater isn't it that Allah, our creator, the creator of everything, the controller of everything, the nourisher, the sustainer, is telling you that if you remember me, I will remember you. That is something awesome to me. So, so that drives me to want to remember Allah more because of who's, what, what the effect is going to be. And then he says, uh, uh, and then he says after that, oh, and be grateful. Be grateful to me and do not be lied to me. So, so basically what I understand uh, from that is that if you're grateful for everything that Allah has given us. So if we look at just the things around us that are invaluable, our family, our friends, our wives, our children, our mothers, our fathers, our family members. Then we look at to our material things, the roof over their heads, the cars that we drive. How can you not be thankful? How can you not be thankful? Yet there are so many people that aren't. So Allah is telling you, they be grateful to me. Be grateful. You've got everything. You've got your health. You've got, you've got goodness all around you. So just be grateful to me. And I'll increase you, Allah says later, later on in some, some verses. So for me, that is, that is very, very important. And very importantly, the last part of it. Do not belie me. So don't be ungrateful for it. So let's go back to Ramadan in terms of your favorite snack. Because I, in our, our last case, mentioned, mentioned samosa. What is your... Uh, what the, like, my, my, my most favorite kind of snack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what do you look my forward mostest. to? <laughs> yeah. I'd probably say, even though I don't have, have it a lot, but you know when they used to send plates around back in the day? I don't know if they still do it. Back in my old neighborhood in your fields yeah. where I grew up, they used to do this. And I always used to wait for pumpkin fritters. Oh, yes. Yeah. With a little bit of cinnamon and sugar on yeah. top. Yeah. Uh-huh. Lovely. I just, oh, it just puts the cherry on top of it, and I would be like the happiest, like <laughs> ten year old that day. That oh, I got some pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin fritters. Mm. It will always be oily though, yeah. so you know, it's like it's not the best medical advice that I'm giving you. <laughs> You're gonna probably clog up your arteries, but oh man, the taste is just awesome. Yeah. But you mentioned that uh, the bochis that used to come out. Yes, yes, it's, yes. A, it's a lovely tradition. Uh, a lovely I think uh, I speak to the older people. It was it started. Uh, by just sharing mm. with your neighbors, especially yes, in, in close communities. What traditions besides that one uh, did you, were you accustomed to growing up? And have you implemented any of your own sort of um, Ramadan uh, must-dos, if I can put it that mm. way, in your own home? To, to tell you the truth, uh, my family is a founding family. It's uh, by the kids, they were just born just before Ramadan. So I, I haven't really... Uh, instigated or started up uh, or implemented any traditions as a family as yet. Uh, my wife is from Joburg, so she's not used to the Cape Town type of culture. Mm. It's very, very different. Mm. Um, however, something that she does mention that she does appreciate is in Cape Town, the women get to go to uh, go, go for Tarawih. And that is something that she loves. She it, it, and, and when I do go for Etikaf, uh, then she still maintains she's got a group of women that they go for it for for for, for Tajud in the masjid to Dar Naim. Um, they go for Athkar together, and the brotherhood and the unity that is exhibited in Ramadan, she does say it is unlike anywhere else experience. I think as Cape Townians we kind of take it for granted. We think it's like this anywhere else in the world. But those who travel overseas, we know brothers that are, are expats now. They will, they will know what the difference is. I, I had a guest uh, over from Canada the other day and he's saying he's missing, he's missing South Africa. He's missing Cape Town particularly. Um, and if you go to Joburg, you'll sense the difference over there. Um, if you go to Malaysia, it's very similar to Cape Town again. 
Malaysia um, because of the heritage, their culture is very. So they've got they've got an open house where you can just go to anybody's house and go and eat over there. The Tarawih is a very kind of uh, similar similar feeling. You know the the word that we call pujis. It's there as well. <laughs> you know, so so it's a very nice feeling. Whereas if you go to other parts of the world, it's really what what some would say. It, it, it's very dry. It, you don't have the regular card. It's kind of you make a salah and you carry on. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on his own tertib. Whereas here in Cape Town and probably in Malaysia, it's more of a communal spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you have any inspirational story that happened, you know, in the past within Ramadan? To tell you the truth, Khalil, uh, I can't put my finger on a specific one. Oh, yeah, actually, now that I do think about it, I, I can. Um, if I remember correctly, I was doing Atikaf in Darnaim Masjid. And I remember going into that etikaf um, with 28 cents in my bank account. 28 cents in my bank account. And I decided, I decided for that whole month of Ramadan, I am not going to be working for the entire month of Ramadan. I am going to dedicate the entire Ramadan to my Quran. I'm going to recite Quran, do the translation, do it in Tajud. Um, and you know what? I'm going to leave my provision to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, but this Ramadan, I'm going to dedicate uh, to Allah. And I went into Etikaf the last 10 days between 8 cents in my bank account. Uh, but somewhere during there, I, I made dua during that Etikaf. And at the end of Ramadan, I think on Eid day, I got a, a, a message on my phone saying that I, I think SARS or somebody had to pay me some money and I immediately got 50, 60,000 rand in my account. So it's almost as if Allah is paying me here's your reward, you know. Uh, although I hope Allah didn't uh, give me my reward in this dunya <laughs> and has left nothing for me in the Akhirah. So, so we don't look for the short-term gains. We're really in for the long haul and we're hoping for the long-term gains. Um, but that, that was something that I was like, well, this, you know, you keep a connection with Allah, He is indeed the provider and He is indeed the sustainer. And if you dedicate your life to Him and you serve Him for the purpose of serving Him alone, He will provide for you. There's no doubt. Yeah. You got one hell of a eat slavashi. But that's a barakah of Ramadan, that's a barakah of putting your trust in Allah. You were talking earlier about remembering Allah and being grateful. Yeah. Even that 28 cents that was in your bank account. You must be thankful for what you have. Absolutely. And, and I think that's what Ramadan teaches us every year. It comes back. And this, um, uh, it's a continual mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to go back. You mentioned in the beginning, uh, Tablighi Jama. I want to, to understand. You probably had some preconceived notions or judgments mm. on the, on the Tablighi Jama. Yes. Can you tell us about that and how, how your view changed now? Absolutely. I, I always actually thought that Tabriz Jamaat were very backward people from underprivileged backgrounds, often from prison, uh, sometimes gangsters that uh, tried to reform themselves. I often thought that they felt that they were holier than thou and that they felt that they were better Muslims and always calling you to their way. However, they, 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 they say there's an Arabic uh, saying which translates into man fears that which he doesn't know. So I was exposed to a, a three-day Jamaat while I was at actually Darnaim. All the students decided they were going to go out. And it actually was a lovely experience. Um, I met people that were busy with the Jamaat work and I realized how much sacrifices they're actually going through to spread the deen of Allah. Um, I realized that often our perceptions of them aren't true. Sometimes they may be true for individuals, but not of the Tabligh work as a whole. So I, I decided to broaden my horizons, actually see where the spring came from. So go to Nizamuddin. 
This is where Mona Elias, uh, Rahmatullah started the work. And I read, I read about his works. I read about how he started the work. Um, I spoke to people that were heavily involved in the work and I realized this is actually very pure. This is actually very serene. And probably one of my most peaceful times was actually spending time in the Marcus in Nizamuddin. From somebody that actually had a very averse view of WHMA to actually be able to say that, you know, I had one of my most spiritual experiences in Jamaat while I was actually traveling on a train from, from Marcus to Hyderabad. It, 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 it says something. And it's because the work in its essence of, is pure. But sometimes the people doing the work sometimes spoil it. And the same goes for Islam. The same goes for Islam. The Muslims and us as Muslims, we're not the best of examples. But it doesn't take from the fact that Islam is perfect. Yusuf, what are you most grateful for sitting here, as you sit here? Iman. Iman, I think life would be very, very different if I didn't have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, I see people that don't have faith. I actually had visited the church yesterday and I saw the, the difference of belief and how belief has to be based on knowledge, has to be based on, uh, on a conviction. And I saw what false conviction can actually derive and what, what it can result in. So at that point, I actually said, Alhamdulillah for Islam, something that appeals to my rational mind, appeals to my intellect, but also gives me a form of belief. So definitely Iman would be the top. Because what is life without Iman? Yusuf, I want to say Alhamdulillah for you coming onto the show. I wish you all the best. Many more Ramadans and may Allah increase you in Iman, inshallah. Amen, amen, inshallah. And I wish the best for all of you and all our listeners, inshallah. So that's it for today's show. We hope we added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.